in a world that has more than enough information and noise. Is it even possible to truly anchor ourselves and have peace in a scattered world? Hi, this is Pamela and Mary, and we are a mother-daughter team who span two generations but share one message. We will delve into what it looks like to be fully integrated, body, soul, and spirit, and will bring encouragement and hope all along the way. We get it. Life is hard. And let's be real. Hard doesn't even begin to describe it on some days. But we want you to know that you're not alone. And not only that, we are here to come alongside you and cheer you on as you walk out your individual storyline. So join us as we journey together and laugh, cry, and everything in between. Welcome to the More Than Enough podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to the More Than Enough podcast. Hey, Ma. Hey, Mary. Hi, Mama. How are you doing today? I am doing fair to Midland. Is it fair to Midland or Midling? That is a great question, and I don't have the faintest idea. <laughs> I think Midland must mean somewhere in the middle. Is it Midland? Is it Midland? Okay, okay. But I think the idea is fair, like a C to Midland, maybe a B. It's a C to oh, a B. okay, fair to Midland. A, okay, okay. Fair is lesser, Midland is getting more in the middle. Now that we've informed our listeners to what fair to middle means, I would look it up. I wouldn't trust what I just said. <laughs> no, I just How's say that? it. I say all sorts of interesting little things like that. Of course My you kids do. too. And they're like, what is that? I'm like, I don't know. Grandma says it. It's just what you say. <laughs> so who knows what these yes. things mean? Okay. And we digress. Yes. So quickly. Yeah, so quickly. <laughs> yes. So today we are going to be talking about loving well when it's hard. And I think we can all so, so, so relate to this topic as anyone who's been in a relationship of any kind of a friendship or a sibling or a pretty much being on planet Earth, you cannot go through life without having to come face to face with this topic. I think I think it will be good. And I think it will be like so many things, highlighting stuff in each one of us of, oh, yeah, maybe I need to look at that a little more. And oh, maybe that's exposing a little something. The first thing we kind of want to jump into is the idea of loving well when it's hard. How do we even do that? How do we even love someone when it's hard? Again, I think when we say the word hard, there's such varying degrees of like loving someone when it's hard. It's like, oh, you're kind of annoying and irritating me, which again, can be very hard. I think last week, mom, you talked about, what was it like death by paper clips, right? Like the continual just, was it paper clips? I think, right? I was going to say, I have to say that I believe it was paper cuts, <laughs> not paper clips. I'm just, maybe, maybe the paper clip actually was the thing that gave you a paper oh, right. cut. Death I'm by paper sure. cuts, like a thousand paper cuts, yes. not paper clips. That would be, yes. that would be really painful. Yes. Death by paper clips. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's intense. But yes, okay, death by paper cuts. But right, so it can be hard, even if it doesn't seem like, oh, this the situation's maybe what someone would consider so, so, so difficult. But no matter what the varying degrees are, how do we hold our yes. heart in the midst of that? And I think, yes. mom, both you and I, as we were even talking before we jumped on here of just like, well, I mean, it's supernatural, right? I mean, we can't even begin to have that kind of love, to tap into that kind of love naturally. Yes. And, you know, I guess one of the first things we're doing is maybe kind of defining loving well. But before we can talk about loving well, we would have to talk about it. what is God's, how does he define love? And that would come from the core of who he is. So what does he deem as love that's coming from his source 
And I think one of the first things we have to think about regarding that is what's the difference between when the world uses the word love and when God uses the word love? And I think the difference is is very far apart. So we could just jump in with what, what are some of the things God says about love. The things that come to my mind are first and second commandment. He's basically saying everything from the law and the prophets can be summed up and love the Lord to God with all your heart, soul, spirit, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Okay, so we're going to have to know really quickly what love is, because one of the things that comes to my mind is that the way the world is often defining love is that I have to not only relate to you in a way that you're saying this is love, if I don't accept that definition of love, you're going to maybe define me as not loving well in your definition. I think another thing that I think about today is that unless I agree with you or I make peace with certain things that the Bible might say are not part of of the equation of loving well, meaning making peace with sin because we want to be accepted. But I think in all these places, we have to adhere to God's characteristics and qualities and the pieces that include what God defines as love. So one of them is Loving well is to speak the truth in love in all of our relationships, in all of our relationships. So that's one thing that to me is making it difficult. And we have touched on this, but it's very difficult for a person who is a follower of Jesus and believes the word of God not to compromise on holiness issues due to our desire to feel like we're understood or feeling like we're seen and known, not being misunderstood, and people-pleasing, and all these parts. I think you take this idea of how much love is now connected with, you can't love me if you don't agree with me. That's a big problem today. And I think another problem today is this idea of relativity. There is no, there is no definition of love other than what I want to make it. Those are a couple things that come to my mind right off the bat. No, yeah, I think that's so good. I'm reminded of the verse where it says, people will know that we are disciples by our love for one another. And I, I think about that a lot because I'm like, okay, there ha- that has to be a different kind of love because the Lord talks about, oh, we can all love the people that are easy to love, right? So what does it look like to have the kind of love that God talked about that's going to set us apart? What does that kind of love look like? And like you said, does that love always mean agreeing with you? I'm reminded of a couple of my kids and they were just so upset with me on on something and they wanted me to agree with them about whatever it was that I was saying, you can't do this or something like that. They just wanted me to see it from their perspective. And no matter what they said or did, I was like, I hear you and I see you and I love you, but I don't, I don't agree with you. And it was like, they were just getting more and more angry with me. And I was like, guys, I, I'm, I'm sorry that I don't see it that way. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to do what I'm saying. You have to listen to me, right? I'm sorry. Like I hear you (laughs) and I see you, but no. But again, it was just like this anger that came inside them of like, no, if you loved me, And then I even said it back to them. I'm like, so are you saying if I loved you, I would agree with you? So I have to agree with everything you say. And they're like, well, I mean, no, but anyways. And so it is, yeah, kind of what you're saying in the the context of, yeah, loving people well 
when they don't agree with something we're saying, or they might vehemently disagree with what we're saying. Like, how do we, how do we love them? I'm reminded of a conversation I had with somebody and we were kind of hashing this out about loving someone well. It's supernatural to have that kind of love. And so as I was kind of thinking about that, I'm like, okay, we need that supernatural love to infuse our hearts in these difficult situations. It's not natural. I was just talking to somebody earlier today and they were like, oh, I'm so bitter or resentful about the situation. I don't know how not to be. I want to not be frustrated all the time. I want to not be constantly annoyed by this person, but it's just, I don't know how not to be. It's funny. I looked up this quote about resentment and it was from Psychology Today. And somebody asked the question, is it possible to get rid of resentment? And this article from this person on Psychology Today said, yes, you can try. And yes, the only way you can know if what's probable can become possible is to name it as a problem and give it your very best efforts. One thing you can know for sure is that if you don't try to address the resentment, it will never go away by itself. And I was like, wow, okay, there you have it. That's our best and the natural. Like you can give it your best shot. Go for it. Give it a try. But I have found it is it is a supernatural work to have that kind of love is a supernatural work. And so again, I feel like we just have to start with that foundation before we jump into how do we walk this out? How then shall we love someone well? And sometimes that looks differently. But yeah, I love that mom. Yeah, you laying that foundation of first and foremost, you know, loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor as herself. Those two things are not equal. You cannot do the second without the first. It does not exist without fully, yes, being loved by the Father and knowing you're loved by Him and out of that place of intimacy, then loving our neighbor as ourselves. Yeah. I mean, that's our story, I think. And I think that's of high, high value to us to really lean in to knowing how important number, number two cannot come without number one. I think that's exactly right on. I know we sound sometimes like a broken record on this podcast. It's always coming back to God, our intimacy with him, our longings, particularly in this day. It does go back to these things. And I think from there, what does love look like? I think you and I can throw out some ideas of let's quantify the qualities of agape love versus the love that the world has or it doesn't have access to as much because it is a supernatural thing to forgive 70 times right. seven. It is very supernatural to turn bitterness and resentment into a place where you are released from the prison you're in and you have released others from the prison you are holding them into when they're not loving you the way you have defined that you need to be loved. All these pieces, there's a lot that could be written. And let me just say, I love psychology today. I think it's one of the best sources out there to sort of bring the emotional realm into the spiritual realm. As a believer, you can then explore more of some of those uh, wisdom truths about how God has wired us and what happens inside of us if we hold on to things like bitterness and unforgiveness and resentment. They will come out. They will come out for sure. And they will not get better unless you take the time to say, I'm going to do an inventory. I'm going to sit intentionally and I'm going to look at the parts of me that are broken and take the log out of my own eye and not hyper-focus on the speck in my neighbor. 
these are these are all parts, whether the neighbors, your husband, your children, again, family, et right. cetera, et cetera. But I think love does look like something because the word has a lot to say about agape love. A whole lot. The epistles are filled with it. The gospels are full of it. And actually, you can go back to the Old Testament. When you see the heart and compassion of God's love for his children, you see much of what's defined in the New Testament as what's called the fruit of the Spirit. Or we see verses like 1 Corinthians 13 that defines the quality of it. And 1 John, that's just unbelievable of how it basically takes apart piece by piece what love looks like in God's economy. Let's name a few of those. You got any, Mary? Yes. Yeah. Well, I when I was kind of thinking about it, I was thinking, I know nothing is this linear. And But just for this conversation's sake, I kind of saw two different camps of how to love. I saw I saw the the side of what I feel like our culture is really big on right now of like boundaries, which again, I'm not minimizing. I think that's huge. I'm thinking about in Matthew when there, the the verses about how to deal with confrontation, you take two or three. And then if if that doesn't work out, then it's, well, I feel like there's a lot of interpretations of what the church has then said what that looks like. But I guess I feel like there's these two camps of how do we love? And it's like, love either looks like well, I can't handle you and you're toxic and I don't want to deal with you anymore. So peace out. Then there's like the other side where, again, I'm kind of using extremes, obviously, but the super codependent of like, yes, it's good. It's good. We love you. And then I think of the the verse where it says, peace, peace, there is no peace. I feel like I can fall into that easily because I really, really hate confrontation. And so I'm just like, no, it's good. And I'm like, whoa, wait a second. This isn't actually helping them or me. So we have these two sides that I think are the two extremes. And I feel like the Lord's like, whoa, there's truth to be had from both sides. So I feel like the Lord's saying, okay, there's another way. Yeah, I I agree. That's the question, you know. So, right. So do we throw them both out? And what do we come? Is it a matter of taking the average of the two and finding a middle? I, I definitely think that's a great, great point to kind of flesh out here for just a minute. Here's the thing. When we look at that Matthew 18 passage, we see that what what is hard to sometimes see if we don't really understand what love looks like then we can see that that seems so extreme. I, I go to one myself, I take back one, I take back two. Now I'm confronting this person and basically I'm saying, you're, you're going down a wrong path. We're sort of imploring you to rethink this, to look at yourself. And this person says, no, no, it's, it, it, that's not going to happen. I think what we fail to see in that is that this is God's mercy to this person because this person is going to continue to go off the rails, is going to go farther away from God and what God's word says versus what they think is right. And then they become right in their own eyes. And now we have stuff just tumbling over and over and over again until we're far from, as you and I have talked about the compass, we're several degrees off of where we're expected to be. So this kind of tough love that God is very, very happy to give us because it is his mercy to keep us from the train smashing us, right? So he entices us with this this severe mercy of his. I think, again, we have to look at that passage and say, wow, how much that God goes to such an extent to pull us back from the cliff. So then how does that become? That's God's initiation. He came up with that idea in that passage in the gospel of, of Matthew. How do we mimic that? And I think that's 
I love that you brought up that particular passage because I think it's sort of a prototype of what does that look like for us to love well with people around us. You use the word codependency versus agape love. And the reason I happen to love bringing basically the what they have in common and what they have completely in opposite ways is a very important thing for us to look at. First, the language is being used all the time today. We have to understand what part of codependency we can actually spiritualize and what part we're really using because we don't really want to die to ourselves. We don't really want to love you sacrificially because at this point you're a pain in my rear Right. So I, I'm tired of this. I don't want to do it anymore. How do we then hold that in relationship to God saying there are boundaries? There is a right and a wrong. There is places that God has called us to, to either break fellowship altogether or to withdraw ourselves from something that's harming us spiritually or emotionally. So there's both sides, but we have to know they're not the same thing, but the actual modern day usage of codependency. But I would tell you, if you really look at what the true definitions of those are in the realm of psychology, they sound a lot like Matthew 18, to be quite honest. So that's, that's something that we have to incorporate in our own wholeness so that we're not feeling under compulsion to love someone well at the point of literally being a martyr on the altar for them. We can get that all mixed up and call it biblical Christianity, when indeed God is not the one who's called us oftentimes in these kinds of relationships that are completely outside of his purview, him over top and speaking into both of these people's lives. Yeah. And I think that's where I feel like I say this on like every episode. That's why it is not a formula because it should be like my slogan Because what you said about, yes, we're not called to be the martyr for somebody else. And yet the Lord's like, if you don't die to yourself and lay your life down for your brother, then you can't even call yourself a disciple. And I think about who was it? The missionary, he went to to that island and he told them about uh, Jim Elliott, Jim Elliott. He went there knowing that they were going to deny him. And then Elizabeth Elliott goes back. They killed her husband. And she goes back and tells them about the Lord, knowing she could be killed and her child, right? So again, we see these really extreme cases where the Lord says, yes, go to that person, knowing they might rip you to shreds and lay your life down. And that's exactly what I've called you to do. And then we see these other situations where the Lord says, actually, I need you to love them from afar, be filled with compassion and kindness towards them, pray for them, but you aren't to stay in relationship with them because that's not helping them. That's just causing them to stay in these cycles and patterns. And it's actually causing just more darkness to spur up in in them. So back to that, like, it's not a formula because yeah, I think and sometimes the Lord says, absolutely lay your life down. I don't care how inconvenient it is. I think about in the Beatitudes where it's like, If I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone says slaps you on the right cheek, turn to the other cheek as well. And if anyone wants to sue you and take your shirt, hand them your coat as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with them too. If we said that in our culture right now, we'd be like, oh, heck no. You better set boundaries up with that brother. And like, that is toxic, right? And again, 
it very well could be, right? Like 100%. But all I'm saying is that it's not just cookie cutter formula. Like it just is so taking it to the Lord. And I know you and I have talked about this so much, mom, about, well, how? How do I know? How do I know? I feel like so much is the heart behind it. Like, why am I doing this? Why do I feel like I have to keep rescuing this person or keep loving them? I'm using air quotations, (laughs) loving them well, like trying to get them to see my point of view. Why am I so doing that? Is it truly because I'm just like, oh, I'm just so filled with love towards you? Or is it like, I have to fix you. I have to make this right. I don't want you to be mad. I have to somehow help you or you're going to just spiral out of control. It's my job. I feel like the heart behind it is is really important too. I, I think I feel compelled today to almost in sort of a rapid fire way. I do want to give our audience a little bit of context in terms of really what is the difference. Can we have any signs and I can't present this as a teaching, but more so, I want to sort of give us a quick checklist of of why we could maybe see how some of these things might not be from the Lord. And I'm going to give a handful of them. Okay. Can I do that? Is that a good idea now? Go for it. I think let's do that now. So I'm going to, I'm going to name some things that, and these are terms that are used just to help us understand things. So we could talk about in a codependent relationship, there's sort of a giver and a receiver. Also, that's kind of referred to as a taker and a giver. Right now, I'm going to kind of talk about, you know, this idea of the person who's giving of themselves. Is it coming from a place of God's love? Because 1 Corinthians 13 clearly states it doesn't matter how dramatic I am serving you, what it looks like. I mean, it can go all the way to I'm so zealous for justice. I'm going to give my body to be burned and be a martyr. And we, that's even a syndrome in psychology is this martyr complex. I am called to rescue everyone. And if you're not rescuing everyone like me, you're worthless. You're not really loving anybody. So we can formulate these ideas of what God is calling us to. I'm just going to name some things that you can maybe even the listener think, which category am I falling in? In all these different relationships. This way you could re-listen to these and write them down. But I'm going to say one of the things that is a key thing that drives us, which is not always true love, is that I have a belief system that you are not capable of doing this for yourself. Right. I already believe that you're lost without me, that unless I do this for you or help you in this, So what does that do? That means I feel this strong responsibility for you. What does God say about that? He says, let every man bear their own load. He says that we are capable in Christ to manage the load that we have. What happens if somebody comes along in the name of love and strips us of that because they feel it's their responsibility to convert me to their belief system, to love the way they're loving, which means... Maybe I serve you breakfast in bed every day. There could be a million things that I'm going to pervert and twist what love looks like versus maybe I am the one who has a lens that isn't really God's lens who feels like I have to rescue everyone and everyone becomes my responsibility. Okay, that's a strong dynamic in codependency. Just saying is something to think about. Let me say another strong thing is that with the giver and the taker, the giver and the receiver, it's usually 
not equitable, especially to the person who's doing the giving. They feel like, I did this for you. You should do this for me. Sometimes we even use words like love language. But if you dig farther into those things, you'll see some of it still comes back to, you know what, it's about me. I'm doing this for you and I expect to be loved this way. And if you don't love me this way, you're going to pay. There's going to be punishment. And if you do treat me the way I want to be treated, there's going to be reward. It's a system of punishment and reward, which has nothing to do with agape love, does it? So that's another thing to kind of look at. Oftentimes, the giver can begin to find themselves sicker emotionally and physically because they're giving beyond what God has called them to give. They're taking on things that are not their responsibility. They are not entering into what God is doing, but instead they are dictating all the things that they have to do for this person. So it's a disconnect from what is God's responsibility and what is my responsibility. And I think where the whole point of this is that you can be aware of this. If you find yourself being repeatedly injured, you're doing all, taking all the love for another person, you're burned out, you're getting sick, you're isolating more and more. And here's a big one is that if you look around your life and you have very little long-term relationships for all kinds of reasons, then it's time to begin to say, God, I need to look at myself. And I'm a big proponent of looking at yourself in the presence of God so that God can say, you know what? This is not what I said. This is not who I say you are. This is not what I've called you to do so that we're willing to recorrect that ship that's getting off course. We don't have to wait till we're old. We can do this as a, as a way of constantly being reflective of what is true about myself and my relationships. Am I finding myself on an island? Am I getting more isolated? And that can sometimes be because the person we're giving to is not getting better. And sometimes that can be in a marriage where things are getting darker and darker and we're getting more isolated because this person is jealous. They're controlling. They want us all to themselves. These are things when we have to look around and say, God, where am I really in community? God, where am I growing in you and peace? But if I look and I check the fruit in my life and I check these bigger things that show up for sure in relationship, we can begin to reevaluate. Maybe we think all the serving and the doing we're doing is righteous. When in reality, it goes back to love the first Corinthians 13 you know, I could do this. I could have all the faith to move a mountain. I could do this and this and and I could give away everything I have for the poor. I'm all about justice. I'm the one doing it. Nobody else is. And then Jesus says, I never knew you. So the thing is, is it's not love. It's these things inside of us that are broken. And God is saying, I want to come into those places. And you just believing a certain thing when the fruit is something dramatically different is being disconnected. You are getting more and more disconnected. I would say where this part comes in with our mental and our emotional health is something we have to look at. And I think mostly to women, we're oftentimes we're talking about being the giver in any given relationship where we're feeling drained or resentful or bitter. And we have to check ourselves. Am I not forgiving? Am I doing this with pure joy and love as opposed to all of the kinds of things we're carrying that are beginning to weigh us down. Because real agape love looks like something. It's peaceful. 
It has joy. It has kindness. It has all the things in Galatians of what does the spirit look like? And it looks like something. All that fruit, the, the goodness and the faithfulness and the, and the perseverance, we have these things when we're guarding our own hearts from getting sucked in to something that God didn't call us into. Yeah. Yeah. I love that because I always go back to that when I think of, you know, you could do all of these things, but if you don't have love, you have nothing. And then I'm like, well, gosh, Lord, like what does love look like then if it's not <laughs> doing all of these things? And I feel like the Lord's like, well, it's about the heart. Sometimes love does look like that. Sometimes love does look like laying down your life. But sometimes love looks like not doing any of those things for them because it's not out of a place of true, sacrificial, unconditional, no strings attached love. And so I think that's so good kind of what you're saying as far as checking our heart first before we even address like how to love, like how are we currently loving? What is our pattern of loving? Is it out of a place of having to fix somebody or getting our needs met or having to control the situation? Is that why we're loving? And I think to look at even the healthy relationships in our life, what's our pattern of loving? Are we doing it out of a place of like, okay, what can I get in return? Am I trying to micromanage the situation? We all have these patterns and it's sitting with the Lord and being like, Lord, how, how even in the best relationships, how can I love freely and love generously and love deeply and unconditionally without expecting anything in return and without growing resentful and bitter when it doesn't look the way that I want it to look? I love you throwing in the term, no strings attached. That phrase really brings it forward into this kind of no guile, no expectation, this kind of pure agape love, because God, certainly there is nothing he can get from us, but the joy and love that he has for us is pure and unadulterated. So this is what agape love looks like. It's not about what I can get from you, but it's a joy to give you whatever I'm giving you. I think that could be by far bar none, the greatest lens for us to really look through to say, Everything I do, the bottom line is, whatever that is, what am I expecting from you in return? I'm not expecting anything in return from my children. Nothing. I, I actually don't have any expectations when they're little. As they grow older, just like us and God, his only desire and expectation is that we're becoming more like him. He doesn't get anything from us. Because he loves us so much, he loves it when we're growing in him because he is the best thing in the universe. There is nothing greater. So the more we're becoming like him in thought, in deed, even in holiness, you are to be holy. Why? Because I am holy. Every part we're growing in that looks more like our father, that's what he desires because he knows that's the very best thing that could ever happen to us. The question is, we can look Even with this short discussion today, we can look with a lens, a pair of glasses to say, and to sit down with the Lord. What am I expecting from my husband? What if your husband is in a place or state or almost incapable of agape love? Does that mean you don't give him that love? But giving him that love doesn't mean you still don't have boundaries, just like God gives to us. He's like, no, 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 little children, don't go out in the street. That's a really big highway and there's really big trucks that will smash you. Right. And so it's the same thing. We don't treat our our husbands like children. 
We don't treat our parents like children, but we can love them well. And again, 1 Corinthians 13, Galatians, the fruit of the spirit, 1 John, let these become your lens for what God is saying, what love looks like. Yes, that's so good. Yeah. And I know that I think something you said even a little bit ago, as far as taking when we start to feel that bitterness and that resentment come up in any relationship that we're in, when we start to feel that frustration, hopefully right when it starts, but even if it's very developed and we have a lot of growing resentment and bitterness and just feeling like zero capacity to be around this person. I think it's it's such a good time to to sit with the Lord and be like, okay, Lord, what's going on yes. here? Because I think, yeah, it could be. It could be. It's kind of like, reminds me like you go to the doctor and they're like, this could be a sign that you have three months to live or it could be you have a cold and here's an antibiotic. And it's like, oh, awesome. Okay. But again, that's why we go to the doctor. We want to know if we have three months to live. And so sitting with the Lord to be like, okay, like what's going on here? Because I think like you said, it could be in that situation that this is a boundary that needs to be put up. That the reason we're feeling like we have no capacity is because this person just keeps, I'm imagining like prodding us with like a fire stick or something. Just like- Or a paper clip. Or a paper clip, right. (laughs) (laughs) How awful that would be, just stabbing you with paper clips. That's not funny. That's awful, I guess. Anyways, but right. And you're just like, ow, 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 this really hurts. And it's like, wait a second. This isn't actually love letting you hit me with this paper clip. Actually, this is the opposite of love. I'm being injured and you are- thinking it's okay to hit me with a paper clip because I'm not telling you, no, that's not okay. I don't like it when you hit me with paper clips. Yes, and so it's yes. like, okay, so it's, there's that when we're feeling that no capacity or on this other side, when we look at a relationship and we're feeling exhausted, anxious, no capacity, is it that our resiliency and our capacity is so low that we can't really handle much conflict and everything stresses us out and everything maybe makes us anxious or maybe just this person and triggers with this person makes us really, really anxious. But taking that to the Lord to say, Lord, is this something that needs boundaries? And is this something that needs to be looked at? Or is, I mean, it always needs to be looked at, but, or is this something that I need to deal with? Is this my own heart? Is this my own offense and bitterness that I truly don't have any right to I'm called to lay that down at the foot of the cross. I don't have any right to offense and bitterness. Yes, I can be upset. Absolutely. And can I have boundaries? Absolutely. But growing resentment that leads to cancer bitterness, I have no right to. I think taking both of those, well, taking all of it to the Lord of when we're feeling those feelings in our relationship and letting the Lord and people that are close to us helping us kind of make some assessments of maybe what's, what's actually going on. Yeah, I think that's it. This is why we have to really always be checking ourselves and always be checking in with the word of God that I believe explicitly tells us what's what and what's not, what is love, what is not love. And so I think our own hearts and checking in with the word and sitting with Jesus are all the anecdotes to this bondage because what's happening is, is we're building, we're just, we're putting other people in prison and we're becoming imprisoned and it just leads to more of the same. I do want to end by saying this, that I think this can all devolve from 
resentment and bitterness to entering into codependency in ways you maybe haven't fully recognized. So those are the practical parts of our spirit man, which is made alive by God, but our soul and our emotions and our body is going to take the hits. So on a future podcast, I mean, Mary, I know we've talked about this, but this led me, this sitting in this this week led me to I'd also like to discuss in the future signs that we can find in ourselves, particularly that are signs of something a little deeper than codependency. And that's the idea of emotional immaturity. Yeah. And so this is another step towards looking at full-blown mental illness. But we will look to those of you who are maybe thinking, I feel like I'm there and I've been there long enough that I feel like I'm, it's almost hard to get out of. Right. And again, I'm not a, a trained counselor, but I would say that we still all as a community have the ability and the right to be able to discuss things that yeah. we haven't. So that's all we're doing. But we will do a session on emotional immaturity that will dovetail off of this in time to come. Yeah, absolutely. Because I know this is such a nuanced topic of how do we love well? kind of coming full circle of we're all called to love well. We're all called to love well as believers. We're all called to to lay down our life and to love well, but it's not always going to look the same. And so that's that's where it's like, we can't give you a one answer of this is how you love well. I mean, what we can say, like we've continued to say is you love well by sitting with Jesus and by letting him fill you and by reading the word and sitting with him and being in his presence and being in community with other believers and praying and sitting with him. And in that place of, I see like a sponge being immersed and soaking in the presence of the Lord out of that place when take a sponge out of that water and it's just dripping. It's dripping. So it's like filled. You're filled with love. I remember reading with my daughter, one of my favorite missionary books is Compelled by Love by Heidi Baker. And Mm. I I just love, well, I love the title. That's what compelled me, (laughs) compelled me. And, (laughs) but I just love it because the whole essence is I'm compelled to love. It's not even a choice when I'm sitting with the Lord. And again, we're not saying that it's not difficult to love sometimes. Absolutely. But again, I just love that imagery of being compelled to love. No matter how difficult the person, it doesn't matter. I know that there's so much pain and brokenness in relationships. And I know that right now, the generation that's coming up has had so much pain and brokenness from the older generation and from the church and from all sorts of different things. And it's like, but we are called to love. I don't know how that looks specifically, but we are called to love well. And if that means sitting on our faces and interceding for somebody, then we're called to do that. It reminds me, I have a good friend who works with orphan care and her big thing is we're not all called to adopt, but we're all called to do something, right? Yes. And, and yes. we've all heard that in different capacities. And I love that because it's like, yeah, we're not all called to do that one thing, but I promise you we're all called to do something. What is your thing? And, yes. and so I feel that with this is like, we are all called to love well. We are yes. all called to love well. It's just how are you going to love well? What is your cup of cold water. Are you called to be like, no, I'm not actually called to be a relationship with that person. I'm actually called to just pray for them and to just weep for them and to be filled with love for them from afar. But I'm actually not called to be in relationship with them right now. Or is it to be like Jim Elliott and be literally killed and martyred? 
So yes, just kind of leaving you with that is we're all called to love well and just sitting with the Lord and saying, Lord, what does that love look like? And yeah. Yeah. Amen, Mary. And again, all you are listening, our hearts just continue to grow in love for you. And we just, we want to be filled so that we have something to give to you. And we look forward to one time in the future, maybe being able to meet some of you and, and share hearts together. Blessings to all of you this week who are listening. Yes. Have a lovely week. Thank you so much again for tuning in to the More Than Enough podcast. We are still busy behind the scenes setting up our website, but for now, if you would like to stay up to date or follow along, you can follow us on Instagram at Girls. That's A-M-E-S-G-I-R-L-S. We know that because we're a newer podcast, one of the best ways for people to find us is through reviews. So if you would take just a few minutes and write us a review on Apple Podcasts, we would be so grateful. Thank you so much again for joining us, and we look forward to chatting it up again with you next week. Have a lovely week.